0: There's no denying it. The transportation industry is volatile. Spot rates rise and fall seemingly without warning, changing the cost of securing reliable service each time they do. That's why it's not uncommon for logistics professionals to feel like the deck is stacked against them as they seek to manage their company's transportation budget. With so much on the line for your business and customers, it's important to avoid overpaying for your shipments unnecessarily. Sure, Many factors dictating freight rates are out of your control, but others are within it. I'm Eli Simonson, and in this episode of Beyond the Road, let's talk to a transportation expert who will outline how companies like yours can save money on their freight rates by controlling what they can. this episode of Beyond the Road. Joining me today is Mike Zarns, a sales director with ATS Logistics. Mike, thanks for being here.
1: It's a pleasure as always, Eli. (laughs) Wait, as always,
0: this is the inaugural podcast, isn't it? (laughs) This is the inaugural podcast, yep. But you'll be back. Yes, I will. Yeah, save that line for next (laughs) (laughs) time. Anyways, uh, Mike, you have a long list of credentials in the transportation industry. Let's kind of go over them a little bit. I definitely don't want to leave anything out. Uh, so why should people be listening to Mike?
1: Well thank you Eli I appreciate that Uh, you know over 10 years plus in the industry you kind of see it all and do it all from drayage to heavy haul to LTL shipping you know I've had a lot of experiences throughout my career dealt with a lot of issues and problems and you know just want to share my advice so that other shippers and transportation providers can avoid some of the mistakes and or issues that I've had over the years.
0: Right. Yeah. Over a decade, you said?
1: Absolutely. Wow. Over a decade. Started
0: started as a carrier representative.
1: Yes, I did. Moved over
0: to the logistics sales team.
1: Yep. Went to sales. And then after a couple of years in sales, transitioned into management. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a... a Whirlwind tour of the transportation industry. Feels like yesterday when I started and was just cutting my teeth. But you know, it you grow thick skin in the transportation industry. There's there's a lot of adversity thrown your way. And when you make it a year, you make it a life in in this world. So hopefully I can share some tools, tricks, tips,
0: make your life a little bit easier. Cool. Let's get into it. Awesome. Well, I've been in this industry a little bit shorter time, but I have learned that there's a lot to unpack in this industry, a lot to know, and hopefully you know something about uh, freight rates. Absolutely. Yeah. So today we're talking about uh, how shippers or logistics professionals can save money on their rates, mm-hmm. and as we know, recently, you know, over the course of the last what, what would you say, two to three years, it's been really volatile
1: marketplace. Uh, even four. Going back to twenty eighteen is really when it started kicking off.
0: That was when the transition occurred, yeah, back in twenty eighteen cool, yeah, so we've got you know a lot of volatility, a lot of things that you know businesses with freight to move just simply cannot control, mm-hmm. right the price of fuel of course that's that's hitting <laughs> everybody in the pocketbook that is hitting me <laughs> uh yeah i I drive around on empty a lot these days, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> I don't want to fill my gas tank too much. Um, Anyways, let's talk about this, this topic of how to save money on your rates. Um, I know that there are a lot of different things that that shippers can actually control when they're planning out their their load. So let's talk first about trailer type flexibility. Um, When it comes down to trailer type flexibility, it's basically supply and
1: demand. The more trailer types you can utilize on a given load, there's more supply in the marketplace to haul that load and that's gonna affect the demand uh, for a given trailer type maybe it'll work on a dry van but there's a lot more flatbeds in the market if it can ship on a flatbed for less money why not utilize that equipment type maybe you just need to throw tarps over it but that cost savings still could be there so um that's how I like breaking it down. Simply is just supply and demand. If you can open up those equipment types, do it. Uh, the other thing to take into consideration is is how can the different trailer types, uh, reduce the dimensions of the freight. So specifically Heights, always a killer in the industry, especially when it comes to heavy haul over dimensional shipments, you know, no one wants to go down the road and, and hit a, a bridge or a traffic sign or anything like that. But, um, even when you can reduce height a couple inches, it may work on a step deck. But if you can put it on a double drop or RGN, you can reduce it that much further and maybe avoid a permit or two sure. um, and, and, and or an escort where you may not need it. Or getting into the bigger types of equipment, put it in a perimeter trail trailer versus a regular deck trailer so
0: there so, seems to be a lot that's being considered in that right so absolutely. so what is what is the actual problem um, or the thing that the shipper can control? so they are coming to their transportation provider and yep. they are like maybe they're used to using a certain trailer type. They
1: have comfort in, in knowing that hey it's going to work on this trailer type and, and absolutely it will work on that. But it could also work on a lot of other different trailers as well. Right. And by limiting yourself, um, it, it's only going to narrow down that that uh, field of available trucks that are going to be able to haul that for you, sure. especially when you're under time constraints.
0: Cool. So you would you would recommend that they consult their their provider when making these decisions. Absolutely,
1: and and give them specific commodities and dimensions so that they can be that resource and and help you save those costs instead of using utilizing bigger equipment or um, being stuck on one type of equipment yeah. they can work with you and, and identify what options there are that can still meet your needs
0: very cool let's go on to the next one here Mike uh, so appointment time flexibility
1: appointment times a lot of time we'll see shippers scheduling appointments first thing in the morning and that may work for some but Uh, Most of the time in transportation, drivers are getting empty in the morning, and then they'll do their pickups once they're unloaded. So by the time 10 o'clock hits in the morning, those guys are finally able to start rolling and get to their next consignee or next shipper to get loaded. If you have a 6 or 8 a.m. appointment, they're going to have to be empty the night before. A lot of times carriers, especially in this tight marketplace, We'll charge you a layover and build that into the price that they're giving you because they could take freight the day before there's so many late night shippers now available and so many options available you really want to make sure that you're making your loading times as appealing as possible for those drivers
0: sure and as carriers are planning out their trucks so as as a, as a trucking company is planning out their their truck drivers yep. they need to be as efficient with that time as possible so uh, I guess it's kind of hard to marry like a shipper as a, as a logistics professional who's, who's arranging transport outbound. Let's say it's an outbound shipment like that has to get out the door at a certain time. Yeah. You, I mean, yes, it does.
1: It it does have a deadline. They'll have to meet production lines or maybe there's a job site waiting and that flexibility isn't always there. Uh, But when you can find that flexibility and provide it to shippers, the more time they have to find that right truck that isn't having to bounce in or deadhead from a longer distance, they can be right next door. And maybe you're getting them to go back to their home location or home base and finding that backhaul carrier that's going to be able to get back to their home base where they have their primary shippers all lined out and supporting their needs. So um, the more time and flexibility you give that, your transportation providers the more successful
0: they're going to be in, in minimizing your rates and how about okay so that applies to the pickup and delivery time frame mm-hmm. what about date windows what about like a monday what if you were to get given a 48 hour window like between pickup uh, either on monday or tuesday is that something that would help uh, one of your customers save money
1: Absolutely. Again, it's coming down to just the the flexibility and the time and when they can get there. Um, If, again, a driver's running late for whatever reason, we've heard and seen it all from breakdowns to um, not getting unloaded at consignees. But when you have that flexibility to to be able to lock down that truck um, that wants to go where your load's taking them, it's going to benefit your pocketbook at the end of the day. Uh, The other thing to consider also is the day of the week. You know, the biggest thing we see is a lot of shippers want to book short mile loads on Fridays. And those drivers, especially over the road drivers, are looking for long distance miles. There's always going to be locals that can help you out. But any sort of volume shipment, I would highly encourage, or volume shippers, I would highly encourage utilizing uh, shorter distance runs earlier in the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so those guys can maximize their efficiency out on the road. Drivers need or want to be running and and having their wheels turning. If they aren't, they aren't making money. That's time wasted to them. So if you have a short mileage run where they aren't moving over the weekend, they get there Saturday morning and they're sitting all the rest of the day, Saturday and Sunday, that's wasted time and opportunity to them. And you're likely to be paying for that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Sure. So it sounds like we, you know, both sides have the same goal and it's efficiency, right? They both want to be efficient with their time. They both want to meet their deadlines. Yep. Um, but yeah, just keeping that in mind and working with your carrier, your transportation providers uh, on your appointment times. Now, let's go to the third point here that I have written down, RFQ frequency. So when it comes to RFQ frequency,
1: it's a great tool for shippers to lock in contract rates with transportation providers and trucking companies they can uh, look and guarantee this is my cost on this given lane for this amount of time and in this volatile market it's important to do those shorter time frames when you have seasonalities right now we're coming up to a peak produce season and you don't want to lock in and do an rfq right in the middle of peak produce season if you're Shipping a bunch of other produce out of Florida, Southern Texas, Southern California, some of those big produce states that are just starting to to really hit the peak season. It's a it's a bad time to be locking in rates at the peak market. Now, what you can do is lock in some rates for shorter time frames. All right, we know produce season always hits May through June in our market. Let's put out a specific RFQ to attack that seasonality. And then we can have an RFQ for the rest of the year that isn't as volatile. And we can get some lower rates locked in for our business.
0: Sure. So you're getting those micro bids, basically.
1: Yeah. And that's been a a big change in the last couple of years. Instead of doing year-long contracts, or some people were even doing three-year-long contracts, which is I don't know about you. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know how to lock those rates in and predict what everything's going to be at in three years. We were talking about gas prices at the beginning of the podcast. Who knows what they're going to be in three years? Hopefully, it's not up oh, I'm at. In right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, driver friendly. Yeah. Driver friendly practices or truck driver amenities at a, at a pickup or drop location? That's been a big
1: pushing point recently. Ever since electronic log devices were rolled out and uh, drivers are are starting to be held more accountable to safe driving practices and their hours of operation, we aren't seeing the the penalties and, and the, the abuse that we were before. So there has been a driver shortage and being able to uh, make your facility as attractive as possible to those drivers is a huge benefit. Drivers are leaving reviews on websites, on Google, and and making comments. I don't want to haul out of this facility because they detain me for long periods of time, or they aren't willing to let me use their restrooms. Mm. Drivers will avoid those facilities. Uh, It, It may not be in a large scale. There's varying degrees of that, but Some of the things that you can do to uh, make your facility a more driver-friendly environment are uh, being efficient with loading times and making sure that you provide clear directions for the driver to follow and not having ambiguous details in there and, and being accurate and detailed in your freight specifications. A lot of times we'll see the industry where all right, well, I need a full truck load, and it weighs 48,000 pounds. All right, well, you're at the max weight. You're not telling me the commodity. You're not giving me any of the dimensions. You know, I have to price worst-case scenario and take all the variables into consideration mm-hmm. if I'm going to give you a rate. You know, if you can be more specific and, and tell me all those nuances of the freight... I know what I'm getting myself into and I'm much more likely to go and pick up your load versus somebody else that may be paying the exact same amount on a similar lane. Another thing is is lighter weight, kind of what we just talked about, if you can avoid maxing out every single load, you know, some industries allow that, some others don't but having lighter weight loads is definitely more attractive, less wear and tear on drivers, trucks, and trailers. Mm -hmm. Uh, Providing overnight parking, you know, hours of service. We were talking about ELDs before, making sure that those guys have the ability to park on site if they're running low on hours, and then they're there waiting at your facility in the morning versus having to go to a truck stop and maybe not getting running until a little later in the day.
0: Sure, or on the other side, if they pick up your freight and then, you know, what if what if they don't have any hours left, right? Yeah. Then they're then they're in a little bit of trouble getting to their getting to their parking spot for the night. So then they could be running to the next. Yeah, to your point, they could be running to the next truck stop, get pulled over
1: on the way, and get put out of service, right. and be held out of service for an even longer period of time. Yeah. So definitely making sure that you, if you have the uh, the ability to provide overnight parking, would highly recommend that. And then just other amenities to drivers giving them a a restroom to use. Sometimes we've even seen shower facilities for some of those really high-end shippers. And that's a very attractive amenity for drivers, giving them even driver rooms where they can have TVs or relaxation areas. That's going above and beyond, but you can't tell me that a driver's going to pick that shipper over another one that makes them sleep in their cab overnight. Right. So all things that can that can make your facility more attractive to drivers and then just overall brand recognition and reputation. So it all goes into that, but you see drivers wanting to haul John Deere case, some of those big, Uh, sexy names, they, they all grew up with those
0: brands and want
1: to haul those brands. So.
0: Very cool. Nice. Uh, so at what point in the process it? When a shipper is communicating with their transportation provider or talking to you, when are they relaying information like this to you um, or their provider? What do you mean? Like, when should this stuff be specified, right? Because it's not, it wouldn't be like, would it be during the course of a normal, like when they're submitting their quote or requesting a quote or?
1: Absolutely. Even at beginning when you're first getting set up with them, I would highly encourage, if you have any of those amenities or, or things that you really have taken the initiative to um, be proactive about, such as driver parking, such as lighter loads, anything that you can use as leverage to help reduce your rates, Sure. the sooner the better is going to be the best practice.
0: Gotcha. And then you are able to relay that to any carrier or truck driver.
1: Absolutely. And-, and making sure that every time you have a new point of contact that you continue to relay that information.
0: All right, Michael. So let's say that I'm a shipper and I have given my provider trailer type flexibility, appointment time flexibility, and I have optimized my RFQ frequencies, right? And I also offer on-site parking and some common truck driver amenities. What about lead time? I feel like lead time is a pretty big factor here as well.
1: Lead time is critically important. It, you know, lead time it is how is the ability for those transportation providers to go out and find the best truck available, and to be able to be competitive with pricing. They're going to find trucks that are closer and don't have to bounce in as much. They're going to be able to find those partners that are looking to go where that lane is taking them. And the shorter amount of time you have to you give, the more that your transportation provider is going to have to pay to lock in carriers that maybe didn't want to go to that exact spot, maybe didn't want to haul that type of commodity, and they're compromising because you're going to pay them more money.
0: So it's really it's the amount of time prior to your what execution day your the absolutely day that your freight needs to move.
1: And the the rule of thumb we have is, is if you can give 72 hours, that's ideal. Anything more than that, it's going to be gravy, and that's going to be much appreciated by your transportation providers. When you start getting under 24 hours, it, it gets to crunch time, and the capacity in the marketplace, most reputable companies are booking their trucks and planning their trucks at least 24 hours in advance, if not two or three days in advance. So you're, you're tending to find those last minute carriers that are just waiting on the boards and looking to just move whatever freight they can for the most amount of money as possible. They're definitely out there and there's times and places when those are needed, but Mm -hmm. the more lead time you have, the more, the better truck solution you're going to find for the cheapest option available.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Is there such thing as too much lead time? No,
1: I think it's just how you manage that lead time or how your transportation provider manages their lead time that's critical.
0: Gotcha. That's always kind of a tricky question, so I figured I'd throw it at you.
1: No, and I mean, that really comes down to how they plan their trucks and how they manage their load boards, which is a whole nother podcast that we can dive into later.
0: Yeah, all right. How about avoiding additional requirements?
1: Whenever the shipper can provide requirements themselves, it's going to make the life easier for the driver. Instead of them having to go run and pick up dunnage or blankets, if the shipper has those on hand, it's going to make life more simple. Uh, If the shipper can do the blocking and bracing, it's going to be much more appealing to the driver instead of having to do that work himself or even if they're willing to throw the tarp over them and assist in that versus the driver having to climb up on a ladder and throw a 50-pound tarp in 15-mile-an-hour winds. So I know I'm in my 30s, and I wouldn't even want to do that. I couldn't imagine some of these older drivers that are – you know 20 years my senior climbing up on a ladder and doing that it's definitely not a position I'd want to put myself in so
0: and if they do need any of these extra things obviously it helps to know that up front yeah
1: if it's after the fact it's only going to get more expensive at
0: that point we're at the mercy of the
1: driver and what he wants to charge because otherwise he could leave and leaving means you could
0: miss your deadline oh sure he could just yeah he could just opt out huh like, Absolutely. I'm not doing this load.
1: Yeah, I, and it's ha, it happens numerous times where they get on site. Oh, this needs to be tarped. Well, I don't have tarps. <laughs> oh, well, you can buy them at this place. I'm not buying tarps. Right. All right, well, it, we find out a solution, bring it to the customer. Well, hey, new tarps cost $1,000 for this load. Is that something you're willing to reimburse us for? No? Okay, well, we're going to have to find a different truck that has those tarps now. Wow. And it's only going to further delay your shipment or... Cost you that thousand bucks to go get it?
0: Yeah. All right. So save money by avoiding these things where you can, or providing them on your on your own at your facility. Uh, and if you can't provide them, make sure to specify that up front because that will save you costs. Finally, our final cost saving tick tip: select one transportation pro- provider for each
1: load. No one wants to wait until the last minute to book a truck. Those scenarios do happen. But when you're sending your load out to several different providers and they're posting it on load boards, they're each going to mark look at what the other one has it marked out for or priced for, and they're going to continue to raise that cost up. Pretty soon, your thousand dollar shipment turned into fifteen hundred, two thousand, twenty five hundred. No one wants to see that. Go to your trusted transportation provider, give the load to them and know that they can execute on it. If you're giving it out to everybody, it's only going to raise that rate for you.
0: All right, so the rundown is provide trailer-type flexibility and appointment time flexibility as much as you can. Work with your carrier on that or your transportation provider to align their schedule with yours. Make sure to... You know, incorporate as many driver-friendly practices as you can and specify as much with your carriers. That will um, make your freight more appealing and help you to cut costs in the long run. Uh, make sure to provide enough lead time. 72 hours is is what you would say is optimal. Absolutely. Okay, 72 hours would be optimal. Uh, and then obviously avoiding those special requirements, those those blankets, dunnage, blocking, bracing Uh, Things like job site deliveries, after hour deliveries, any of those things that are going to cost you a little bit extra, you can always save money by providing them yourself, avoiding them or making sure to specify them in the, on the front end. Uh, And then obviously, yeah, working with one single transportation provider uh, for each load and not waiting to the last minute to find a truck. Yeah. Sounds like a great recap to me. That is the recap. Before you go, Mike, let's talk about what's going on in the industry right now. Ooh. Great
1: question. Yeah. Well, we're coming up into that peak produce season. Obviously, capacity is getting a little bit tighter in southern regions where produce has grown. So, van markets are definitely getting tighter down there. We've seen a consistent trend downward in the demand for vans and reefers this year, from the beginning of the year all the way up until now. Well, now is that uh, moment of truth, you could say. We want to see what this next couple of weeks do with the DOT blitz, with produce hitting peak season. Are those rates going to continue to trend downward or is this going to be that tipping point where they start going back up and we have those continued hot market? Um, The next thing we're noticing too is frost laws. They're starting to lift in the north. Um, Canada's still in full effect, but as those ease up more and more equipment's going to be brought to the north and you will start seeing flatbed rates increase as well throughout the summer. So keep an eye on that. And then finally, diesel prices continuing to escalate. We're seeing record low inventory levels of diesel out on the East coast. So be aware that there is no end in sight or alleviation of that, uh, price anytime soon. So that's going to keep hitting the, the pocketbooks of trucking companies and shippers alike.
0: My goodness, there's a lot going on. Seems like there's always a lot going on, though.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) It's transportation. Yeah. Just when you have it all figured
0: out, something changes. (laughs) Oh, there's always something that changes. Cool. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. You have been listening to Beyond the Road, a transportation industry podcast produced by Anderson Trucking Service. If you liked what you heard today, make sure to follow along by subscribing uh, so you're notified about our next episode. And if you like some more content on the transportation industry, head over to the ATS Learning Hub at atsinc.com learning learninghub for a comprehensive library of answers to the most common transportation industry questions. And I'd like to give a final thank you to my guest, Mike Zarns for joining me today. Mike, I really appreciate you taking the time.
1: Thanks, Eli.